Welcome to Catholic Family Stories. My name is Mary Kathleen. And I am Joey. We're your hosts for today's story. So, I got some news. This month, we are both traveling to Washington, D.C. for the National March for Life to let the decision makers in our government know that teens and young adults know and affirm that life is the fundamental right. Life from the womb to natural death is precious. We still care about the continuing massacre of innocent children. How can we as a country be so barbaric? Care in our world must be for children and the women who are their mothers. Our focus must be creating a national culture that is centered upon allowing families to thrive rather than a culture of death. God calls us to love. Happiness is found in love, not in the death of an innocent baby. Our father was once hit by a racing truck driven by a man bringing his girlfriend to an abortion clinic to have an abortion. This crazed man did not want anything to stand in his way from avoiding the responsibility of fatherhood, even if it meant killing others and coercing his girlfriend to kill their own child. Our dad saw many boyfriends and fathers bringing women to the abortion mill while he prayed outside of it. Abortion is not only murder, it is a violence upon women committed by men who trade the freedom of true self-sacrificing love for fear. Today's story is a metaphor for this evil pattern. Parents may want to listen first to determine if it is appropriate for your child's listening. It is our prayer that this story brings you some further insight into the reality that many live today. And now, for our story. It's My Party by Joseph Scordato. Sheely had her own place, her first house. It wasn't grand, but it was beautiful. She had a knack for decorating and styled the interior with postmodern furnishings, deliberate enough to be trendy and attractive, yet situated in relief with hues suggesting the setting of a classical American home. She was youthful, practical, and perhaps obsessed with the endless primping of her domicile. Surviving in the country's second Great Depression required much more than thriftiness. This was an investment, a dowry, a self-empowered stand for her liberation. Selling her food rations for furniture and wall hangings was a small sacrifice to pay. Her house was the ticket to the better life of her dreams. A life with Craig, a handsome business magnate that effortlessly hovered above the economic destruction like an eagle. He commanded the social stratosphere. There was nothing he could not do or possess. His eyes were keen enough to identify diamonds, failing companies or beautiful women, lost in the rags of her impecunious plane. She knew that his mastery of the air and fish-hook talons would someday snatch her away to the sun with brilliant and glorious violence. For him to be her quarry, she would need to be his prey.
Besides, if this new guy wasn't the one, well, he made the scene seem real for a moment. Craig was coming to see her tonight. She crouched slightly and leaned her head to the left, while flipping back a lock of her vogue-like hair. Boxing the dining room in with her slender hands, she frowned intently at the flatness and empty gloss of the table. It was missing a birthday cake. Somewhere she had read that Craig liked cake. Such an item would juxtapose his desire with a home life with her. She would quickly take the matter up with Uncle Don. Yes, a birthday cake might just do the trick. Uncle Don was a baker and the town benefactor. Since the economic collapse, he seemed to be the only one with enough wealth and willingness to sustain a charitable program. His latest project was to provide birthday cakes to anyone who asked. The only stipulation he placed on the reception of his generosity was that the cake be shared with children welcomed to a party. If one did not have children of their own, the home of the recipient was requested to place a sign in the front of the house inviting any passing homeless child inside for the celebration and a loving dinner. The town was rife with malnourished homeless children. The waifs would normally keep to the center of town where begging was more successful. However, when a child was too weak to beg and close to death, he or she was expelled from the city by the civil authorities. Once a month, special council commission officers forced the dying to the edge of town to bury themselves. The city infrastructure simply did not have the mechanisms to provide either soup kitchen or funeral services. Their route to Sheely's irritation passed down her street. Occasionally, she would catch a glimpse of Uncle Don rushing closely behind the exiles in hope of providing some help. Usually, he would find a small corpse along the side of the road for which he always gave a tender and prayerful burial. His birthday cake program was a way to encourage the town to adopt and care for these children. All the preparations were in place. The birthday cake was a striking centerpiece to the dining room. It sat suspended upon a cake platter that resembled the smooth base and thin stem of a wine glass. The table reflected the multicolored ropes of icing in its polished sheen, giving the effect of faded fireworks stained into the curiously perfect wood grain. Craig had just arrived for the romantic surprise, and oh yes, she remembered to place the sign outside in the yard, just in case Uncle Don happened to check up.
In her haste, though, she neglected to lock the door, as was the common prevention to ensure that a street child would not actually be able to act on the posted invitation. Craig, dear, isn't it wonderful? Gesturing to the ornamental setting in which they were now standing, imagine us. Sheely whispered coquettishly as she placed herself into his arms, resting hers against his shoulders. She gazed into his steely blue eyes, and raised an eyebrow to signal her actual invitation. A kiss followed, accompanied by a feeble but Interrupting squeak behind her. Oh, thank you, thank you! I always wanted a birthday," said the child who had wandered into the home. "I'm so hungry, thank you." Sheely's moment was snatched away as Craig jolted from the embrace. Sheely turned in horror as she glanced at the mistakenly unlocked door. Who is this? Scowled her lover. I don't know, darling. Well, get rid of it. It stinks. This is your house. He's trespassing. She looked at the now quivering boy, pale and faint. His eyes welled with desperation. Craig responded to the ill silence. It will only want to stay. You can't afford to feed it. It will change your life. It changes us. He turned away and growled the words, "Uncle Don," in contempt. Sheely responded frantically to rescue the happiness that was slipping from her grasp. I swear I thought I locked the door. Craig retorted coolly, "Well, get rid of it. This is your property. You have rights." Sheely had a friend in a similar situation. Who tried to evict a child? The poor, frail orphan refused to leave, and died on the spot, with only a minor coaxing from her broom. It was a horrible mess. We need to call a professional. Sheely stated with unemotional resolution while dialing nine one one. Soon, the police arrived. He's over there. Sheely pointed to a shadowy corner, where the boy curled up in a futile attempt to be hidden. Come on now, let's get along. Stop bothering this nice lady. You don't belong here. Sheely pointed to a shadowy corner. The boy spasmodically shook his head, curled and buried into his legs, as if to dismiss the nightmare by forcing it from his mind. Cuff him. The officer slammed one end of a handcuff on his bony wrist and pulled the boy across the floor towards the door. No! No! The boy shrieked between sobs, calling to Sheely. He pleaded, "I will die without you." Craig grabbed Sheely by the shoulders with piercing strength and spun her in an about face. Maybe he did care. She thought, momentarily reeling from his forceful protection, she stared blankly at the birthday cake, motionless before her. Something numb deep in her being provided relief. 
the candle on the cake had melted down, leaving a puddle of malformed wax splotched atop the icing. Mommy! The boy cried before a door slam extinguished his voice. <laughs> She resisted a wince. I have a right to my own house. She stated softly to remind herself. Of course you do, Sheely. You have the right to defend yourself. The law gives you the right to kill. Craig cut himself a piece of the birthday cake and mumbled how great it tasted. His mouth was still full, icing smeared about on his lips. He kissed her on the cheek as she remained frozen and fixated on the cake. Hey, it was great. Mmm, great cake. You have just listened to It's My Party by Joseph Scordato. The narrator was played by Maureen Scordato. Sheely was played by Emily Scordato. Craig by Joseph Scordato. The police officer by Thomas Pierce. And The Child by Nicholas Scordato. The music Morning Glory and Journey With Your Heart was performed by Emerald Wind. We hope this story has given you some deeper insight into the lies of abortion and has encouraged you to take a stand for love. Let us pray together. Loving Father, you who never abandons Come to us now to give us your spirit of compassion for fathers, mothers, and their children. A child is always a herald of hope, your sign that there is a future. We pray now for those who are tempted to destroy this hope in fear that their lives may not become as they want. Your plans for us are always greater and more beautiful than our loftiest dreams. Your grace strengthens and guides to the unimaginable life of joy. Father, come be present with those who are contemplating the death of their child at this moment. Lift the veil of their fear and reveal the warmth of your heart. Dispel the lies that they are presented with. Grant us all courage and fellowship to defend every mother and child, every family from death. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us all with the fire of your blazing love and the supernatural peace of your life within us. Amen.
from our family to yours. May God bless you abundantly with joyous smiles of children. Peace and goodness.